today I would like to talk with all of you about something I think we all know about, uh, a topic that all of us probably know more about than we would like to from, from personal experience. Today I'd like to talk with you all about suffering. Uh, generally speaking, I, I think that we can maybe agree that there are two kinds of suffering. The first kind of suffering that we have gone through, and you've experienced this, it's the kind of suffering that is explainable. It's the kind of suffering that often can be expected. Uh, it's the kind of suffering, even sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we deserve. Uh, when I was a kid, I experienced this. Uh, growing up in Mount Prospect on summer days like this, my older brother and I, along with some neighborhood kids, uh, we spent a lot of time outside, and we concocted all sorts of crazy games to play, and played a traditional ones too, hockey in the, in the street, and basketball in the driveway. Uh, but this particular day, I remember we were playing soccer in my parents' backyard, and we didn't have any, you know, real goals or nets to kick the ball into, so we'd put two sticks in the ground or two t-shirts side by side. But this particular day, we decided that the goal was going to be the back of my parents' house. Uh, so we were kicking soccer balls at their home, and if, if the ball touched the house, you scored a goal. And so none of us should have been surprised, it should have been expected, when one of those balls went into the window. Uh, my parents had this large picture frame window on either side of the back door, and eventually one of those balls went into the window. Now, I was not the one who kicked that ball, uh, thankfully, uh, but I'm sure that whoever did kick that ball, there was some suffering involved for them. And I think we could all agree that any suffering that came about because of that errant soccer ball, it would have been expected, explainable, and deserved. Uh, this is the kind of suffering we go through very often as a result of our sin, if we're honest. Like when you lie to someone that trusts you and cares about you, and you break that trust, and then they don't want to talk to you, that hurts. But it is expected and explainable and, and very often deserved. It's the kind of suffering we, we go through uh, when we begin to boss around the other people in our lives that are important to us, maybe our family or our close friends, and we act like we're the king or the queen of our little kingdom, and then all of a sudden these people don't want to be around us anymore, and, and we might act surprised or feign ignorance, but the truth is uh, that suffering, it is explainable, expected, and deserved. Uh, that's one kind of suffering that maybe you have experienced. But today I actually want to talk about a different kind of suffering. It's the kind of suffering that is not explainable. It's very often not expected. And, and most of the time it feels very undeserved. Uh, most of you here today, uh, you know that I like to run. It's one of my hobbies. I, I like to get out. Even now I try to get out a few times a week. Uh, but in high school, running was my life. I loved running. I was on the cross-country teams, track teams. Uh, back then... Uh, it was the early days of the internet, and I had started this uh, running website for Illinois high school runners where we kept track of results and rated and ranked teams. Uh, I loved running, and I was, I was into it. But about halfway through my running high school career, I started to get injured. Pretty soon, I was on the sidelines way more often than I was out on the race course. Uh, in fact, Tiffany and I met in high school. She does not have any memories of me running, I don't think. Her only memory of me at the track is folding these flags that kind of marked the course because that's all I was good for was setting things up and taking things down. And uh, for me as a high schooler, maybe in my immaturity, this was suffering at its worst, right? Not being able to run uh, with my teammates. And, and it was so unexplainable because I was doing everything the coaches told me to do. I was going to all of these doctors. My mom would drive me around to podiatrists and uh, orthopedics, and I was getting shots. I, I even had this um, 
electromagnetic uh, stimulation done to my knee. I was uh, prescribed these fancy orthotics and, and had to buy these really expensive shoes. I'm sure my parents weren't happy about that either. I was doing everything right, and yet here I was, suffering, not able to run like I wanted to. And it, it was so unexpected, it was unexplainable, it felt so undeserved. I think many of you have probably experienced this too. You've maybe poured yourself into your career or your job. You show up early, you leave late, you go above and beyond, and then one day your boss calls you into her office and she lets you know you're, you're being let go, right? And, and this just does not feel right. Uh, this is the, the kind of suffering that comes when you do everything your doctor tells you to do. You, you eat right, healthy, you have a salad every day for lunch, you exercise a few times a week, you, you take the, the pills or the medicine that they prescribe you and yet nothing gets better and maybe even it gets worse and it's unexplainable. You're, you're doing it right and, and it hurts sometimes. Uh, sometimes our suffering is not explainable, it's not expected, it's not deserved. And, and that's the sort of suffering that John the Baptist, who we read about today, that's the kind of suffering he went through. See, John's suffering uh, was not because of anything that he had done to deserve it. John, we're told, was a good guy. John the Baptist was actually a prophet, which means that he was sent by God into this world with a singular purpose. It was John's job to tell the world that the Messiah had come, that the one that they had been waiting for, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, that he was here now. And, and John did that job, and he did it wonderfully. He crossed his T's, he dotted his I's. Uh, John, we are told, is a holy and righteous man. And the craziest thing about the story to me is that even King Herod, who is this evil, corrupt king, even Herod gets that. Uh, Herod calls John a, a holy and righteous man. We read that today. Herod recognized there was something different about this guy. We're, we're told that Herod loved to listen to John speak. Uh, in our reading for today, it, it says that Herod, as he's listening to John, is very perplexed by what John has to say. Uh, a more literal translation of that would be to say that Herod was at a loss for words. He recognized that John was holy, he was, he was righteous, he was sent from God, and yet as a reward for John's holiness and, and righteousness, for his faithful obedience to standing up for the truth of God's word, what does John get as a reward? He's thrown in prison, his head chopped off, and served on a platter. I mean, talk about suffering, right? Unexpected, unexplainable, undeserved suffering. So what do we, what do, we do with this story? Well, I, I think God is... Is telling us this story. He's reminding us this story. As hard as it might be to hear, he's, he's letting us know that as Christians, like John, sometimes we will suffer. It's like Jesus is uh, taking off our rosy-colored glasses and setting them aside for a moment. He's, he's taking down our blinders. He's giving us a little dose of reality, and he's letting us know, dear Christians, sometimes like John, you will suffer even after having done the right thing, the godly thing, the holy thing. It's like Jesus is saying, actually, maybe to take it even a little bit more further, sometimes you will suffer, dear Christians, because you've done the right thing. That's called persecution. And it happened to John, and it's going to happen to us. And that's not an easy message to hear, but I, I think Jesus tells us this to prepare us for it. And, and we might think to ourselves, well, oh, that was John, that was 2,000 years ago, we live in America, we're not persecuted, land of the free, but I think we are persecuted in our own ways. This is the kind of suffering, I think, that happens uh, to parents. Some of you who are parents 
You, you spent immeasurable amounts of time and energy pouring into your child's faith life. You took them to church, you brought them to Sunday school, you read them the Bible stories before bed, you prayed with them at the dinner table, you prayed for them after they had fallen asleep, and then 20 years go by, and they've walked away from the faith, and they let you know it. And you're like, what is going on here? I did everything right. I, I crossed my T's, I dotted my I's, and, and here you are with this child who is so far away, and it hurts for you. This is the kind of suffering that happens for some of us. Maybe when you, you finally work yourself up uh, to invite a coworker to church, right? You've prayed for them for months. You know you need to talk to them about Jesus. They don't know him, and, and you want them to. And so maybe you, you go to church, and you meet with a pastor to talk about it. And uh, you, you read the Bible. You study to make sure you have all of the answers to all of the really tough questions you think they might ask. You grab a postcard or something from church, and you finally kind of get the confidence. You puff out your chest. Maybe you're faking it, but, but you go into church one day, and you invite the coworker to church, and then they laugh at you. <laughs> You're like, what am I doing wrong? God, I, I thought I did everything right. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of suffering that happens when you, when you finally recognize that there's some sin in your life that you were ignoring for a really long time. Uh, but you realize it now, and so you pray about it. You ask, Lord, take this temptation away. Give me strength because I don't have it. You go to church every week because you know that's good for you, and you surround yourself with other Christians, mentors, uh, who can encourage you and, and challenge you and walk with you. And, and you think you should have this beat, but it seems like maybe Satan is only working overtime and the temptation's only getting worse. And you're like, Lord, why would you let this happen? Why is it so much harder now than it even was before? I'm, I'm doing everything that everyone has told me to do, right? Sometimes Jesus tells us we will suffer precisely because of our faith, because of the name of Jesus that we hold on to in our hearts and confess with our mouth. Sometimes we're going to suffer even because we've, or because we've done all of the right things. And, and if we're honest, that's going to make us doubt sometimes, isn't it? We're going to doubt, like, well, maybe we're doing the wrong thing. Maybe we've had this backwards the whole time and <laughs> we should have been doing something else. Or, or we're going to doubt God maybe sometimes, like, well, maybe he doesn't love us. Maybe he's not that good. Or maybe he's angry with us for something we did and or we're not even aware of it. But I, I think Jesus is telling us this story today so that we would not doubt. It's almost like this. Uh, I haven't gotten a shot at the doctor in a long time. Uh, but the last time I did, uh, it, it was not as though I was just walking down the hall to the examining room and a nurse walked up to me behind me and stabbed me with a needle and said, here you go, right? Uh, usually what happens is uh, they sit you down on the table, they tell you, okay, here's what we need to do, here's what I'm going to put in, and they might even tell you before the needle goes in, this is going to hurt a little, right? And why do they say that? It's, it's not because they want you to run out of the room scared and afraid, it's because they want you to be ready, right, to be prepared for the pain. And actually, they want you to know that that pain is not a sign that something's wrong, right? They want you to know that the pain is coming so that you don't assume the worst and think that, that somehow this has all been a mistake or, or that the shot isn't working like it's supposed to. They want you to know that, that the pain is, is a part of that process. And that's kind of what God is doing in our story today. He's kind of whispering in our ear, this is going to hurt a little, not to scare us off but so that we're prepared for when the persecution and the suffering comes, so, so that we would not doubt God's goodness in the midst of the pain, so, so that we would not judge our present painful circumstances as some sort of cosmic sign that God is angry at us or that he doesn't care. He's telling us this story so that we would be ready. Uh, I, I read this story earlier, just a few minutes ago, right? You all heard it, and when I finished it, there is this little 
liturgical back and forth, right? I finish the reading, and then I say boldly and confidently, this is the gospel of the Lord, right? You all just heard that. Now, maybe you were thinking this too, uh, because if I'm honest with myself, when I finished that particular reading, I kind of wanted to say it like this. This is the gospel of the Lord? <laughs> because there doesn't seem to be very much gospel in it, <laughs> does there? Uh, the story ends, John is dead, <laughs> Uh, There's no neat and tidy ending. God doesn't wrap up the story with a bow and and say, here you go. Uh, There's no sunshine and rainbows. It's not the kind of story you might want to read to your children or grandchildren before you tuck them into bed. Uh, And yet, I I think there is good news for those of us who suffer. If we look at the whole rest of Scripture time and time again, we will see that there is hope and peace for those who are suffering. There are so many gospel promises. Maybe they're not found in this particular story, but in the rest of the Bible, we know that God has made promises to to you in the midst of your suffering. And and the first gospel promise that God has made to us who are in the midst of our suffering is that he is with us in the midst of our suffering. He, He tells us that in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verse 18. If you want to take a look at this when you get home, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. God comes near to you in the midst of your suffering. I know very often when you're going through something, it feels like God is a million miles away. But his promise is that he is actually with us there in the midst of that suffering. I think the problem is actually, as we suffer, very often we isolate ourselves. We close ourselves off. Uh, I mentioned earlier uh, that my brothers and I he used to spend a lot of time outside in the summers. And uh, I, I was usually the youngest one in that group, uh, which meant kind of inherently that there was some suffering involved for me as the littlest one in the group. Because uh, I was usually the one that would lose, and uh, that's a form of suffering. Or I remember this one time I got hit in the head with a soccer ball. It was no one's fault. Uh, but what I would kind of do when the going got tough is that I would get going. Uh, that was my calling card. I would run away home crying and stick myself in my room or sit in someone else's yard, I would close myself off. And I I think very often that's what we do in the midst of our suffering. We, We close ourselves off. Maybe we're ashamed. Maybe we're embarrassed. Maybe we're angry at the people around us or even at God or we think that no one else could possibly understand what we're going through. And so we isolate ourselves and we close ourselves off. But God's reminder for us today is that he is with us, that we are not alone, that he draws near to the brokenhearted. Uh, this, is, this is what the Apostle Paul says about suffering in Romans chapter 5. Uh, Paul, uh, you might remember, he knew, he knew a lot about suffering. <laughs> uh, he was put in prison multiple times. He was beaten and, and whipped and shipwrecked. And yet this is, this is what Paul can say in the midst of his suffering. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. Uh, Paul writes, God writes through Paul, Not only so, but we also... Rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, I think Paul is reminding us that very often God allows sufferings in our lives so that we are driven to Christ. Sometimes it's only by uh, by being brought down, down, down that we are able to see just how deep God's love goes. 
And God allows that suffering not to leave us running in the opposite directions, but so that we would see that he is always there with his open arms of love, ready to welcome us in. And I think many of us have experienced that, right? You're you're going through life, everything's going fine, you're not really thinking about God, and then something terrible happens, and now finally you see that, yes, God is there no matter what, and he's there with his love. God is with us in our suffering. That's his promise to us. I I think his other promise to us is that he gets us. He understands our suffering. Sometimes as we go through things, we think to ourselves, no one, no one gets me, no one understands me. And in a sense, you might be kind of true. You all have probably gone through things that I don't understand and, and maybe never will. But God does. Because we have a God in Jesus who has suffered himself. We have a God in, in Jesus who faced the wrath of his Father as he stretched out his arms on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffered and he understands your suffering. And he suffered so that one day you would never have to anymore. God's promise is that because Jesus suffered, there is an eternity waiting for us with no more hurt, no more pain, no more soccer balls to the head, no more loved ones who have died, no more grief, no more loneliness, none of it. So yes, in this world, we we will suffer. We will face persecution very often precisely because we have done the right thing. But God wants us to know that he is there with us in that suffering, that he understands that suffering, he experienced it himself, and one day we will suffer no more. In Jesus' name, amen.